Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Carnival Pride. Also, Sherry Kennedy stopping by in just a couple of seconds with Cruise News. Uh, before we go any further, want to give our condolences to the Kniff family. We lost a fellow cruiser, Big Ed Kniff. He went by Big Ed, actually. And uh, he was always full of opinions and would always give you his two cents about Carnival Cruise Line. So uh, I'm sure he's giving someone hell up there as we speak right now. So definitely thoughts and prayers with the Kniff family. We're going to miss you, buddy. Uh, let's see. Cruise Radio News. It's our Cruise Radio Facebook group. Come in there and kick around the cruise conversation. I say kick it around. I mean engage. Don't just lurk it in the background. We love to uh, have some friendly debates in there as well. All right, Sherry Kennedy is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. So some sad news out of St. Martin last week. There was, and I've seen the video. You've probably seen it too. A New Zealand woman was killed when she was just blown off her feet and into a cement traffic barrier. And this was caused by the blowback from a 737 that was landing, oh gosh, 160 feet away from where they were standing. You've seen the video, right? I, I have, and I'm I'm just curious. Now, you, you're you making it sound like, was she right there by the fence and trying to hold on? Like, was she trying to be a um, like one of those thrill seekers? That's what I understand okay. it to be. Um, yeah, the wind from the jets is as strong as a Category 1 hurricane, so you mm-hmm. can imagine trying to hold on to a chain-link fence with your bare hands, and this is just hitting you, you know, right away. So... And there are warning signs all over, and they're not tiny signs. They're huge signs, and apparently people from airport officials come out, and they warn people to stand back and get away. But tourists still flock to Maho Beach to grab onto the fence and experience this low-flying jet blowback, you know, as they approach the airport. I hate that she passed away. That's horrible. But I think common sense comes into play somewhere. I think so, but, you know... eh, People, people don't realize how severe it is, and you know they just don't pay attention. They're having fun. They might be next door at what's it, the Sunset Bar and Grill, mm-hmm. having drinks and food. And you know, there's that chalkboard that we've both seen. You know, with the updated jet arrival schedule. So they look at that. They're half in the bag, and they run to the fence. You know, back when I was a freshman in college, I worked at Delta Airlines here in Jacksonville on the ramp, and we had to watch these um, safety videos that showed semi-trucks going behind airplanes, and the, the jet blast was blowing over the semi-truck. So it's like, why would you want to hold onto a fence and do that? But anyway, all right, moving on. Royal Caribbean's uh, Independence of the Seas is getting a major refit. What is she going to get? Well, yeah, you know, can't believe the ship is 10 years old right. already, but uh, Royal Caribbean just announced that they're going to uh, send the Independence of the Seas to dry dock, and they're calling it about to stern makeover. So according to what they're saying, the ship's going to receive several new features, including a trampoline park, okay, uh, more water slides, an escape room. Do you know what escape rooms are? I don't know. Yeah, it's and one of those, laser tag. Yeah, an escape room is one of those strategy rooms where they, you go into a room and you've got to try to figure out your way out by solving puzzles. It's actually pretty Seriously? cool. Yeah, it, it's really popular now. It's um, we have a few Never over here. In, that. Yeah, we have a few in Jacksonville. A few are popping up on International Drive down in Orlando right now. I think uh, Norwegian 
has it on Epic and I think Escape right now too, the Escape Room. Well, so yeah, that's it a, would would make sense on the Escape, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> True. Yeah, kind of a a big trend now, I guess. So that's that's cool. And you said what was the last thing you said there? Laser tag. Okay, fun. And it's funny because uh, you know the ship is docked in in England quite often, and uh, a lot of these changes were suggested by travel agents in the United Kingdom and over in Ireland. So maybe you know it's it's moving across the water from here over to the UK. And speaking of Royal Caribbean, it also popped up that they're sending yet another ship to Cuba. They are, and, it's, and you better act quick, because, yeah, they just announced they're going to send the Majesty of the Seas, which is still home-ported over here at Port Canaveral, but and it's no time soon. In 2019, the Majesty of the Seas is going to do one cruise to Cuba, and that's all that's planned so far. It's a four-night cruise going to Havana. It's only going to be there from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., so it's not going to do an overnight. But, uh, yeah, that's the only one that they have planned so far. In fact, when I was checking the itinerary, there's a three-night before and a four-night afterwards. I'm sorry, a three-night afterwards to the Bahamas. So, I mean, if someone wants to make it a 10-night cruise, they could do that. But uh, you better act quickly. And, and currently, uh, as you mentioned, um, the only other ship that Royal Caribbean is sending to Cuba is the Empress of the Seas. Um, she's doing regularly, I can't ever say that, scheduled four-night cruises to Cuba. And th- these began past April. But uh, looking ahead, it looks like there are going to be some departures to Cuba on the Empress of the Seas from Tampa and Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, Holland America is starting service from Fort Lauderdale in December, I believe, right, to Cuba. Right, Yeah. So- yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting thinking ahead almost two years to 2019 for this, um, ma- the one Majesty of the Sea sailing to Cuba. So, you know, I don't know if, if they just don't want to put too many eggs in one basket and, and see what happens with the cruises, you know, to do a whole lineup or not. I don't know. It's it's weird how they sometimes just do like a one-off sailing. Like here in Jacksonville, we have Carnival Elation, and next year we have one eight-night sailing to Bermuda. Yeah, and, and that's a long cruise too. That's that I think that's already sold out or getting pretty close. Yeah, eight nights. Which is which is big yeah, for here in Jacksonville. We normally do four and five night sailings here. Yeah. And speaking of longer cruises, this next one is going to be a hundred and thirty one nights. This is like a world cruise, right? It is, and that was a great segue. I like that. Now we're going to hundred and thirty thirty one <laughs> nights. And it's with Ultra Luxury Region Cruise Line. It's their world cruise for twenty 20, if you can believe that. Currently, they're sailing, they, you know, they do one every year, but it's always been on their smaller, their uh, Seven Seas Navigator, which only carries 490 passengers. But in 2020, their 700 passenger Seven Seas Mariner will take over the run. And, uh, you know, if you've got the time, the trip's going to visit 30 countries on six continents and a total of 66 ports. <laughs> so um, that's pretty awesome. And 13 of those ports are going to be um, overnight stays. So if you have some extra cash to burn in the tune of $65,000 wow. per person, and that's not including, you know, all the other things that you might want to purchase along the way, um, go ahead and make a reservation. Are you going to go? Yeah, I don't know much about Regent, but is Regent an all-inclusive line or like would you have to buy a drink package or pay for your drinks? They are all-inclusive, and okay. they're also all suites. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everything's included. I, um, you'd have to really recheck the fine print uh, because for a while there, they were limiting a few things. But uh, it's pretty much an all-inclusive cruise, um, and it's 
it's just it's extremely mm, high end if you want to say that it's probably you know i think regent passengers are like crystal passengers yeah. and seaborne pet they they just stick with the one cruise line that they really really like $496 per day is what it comes out to. Good math. <laughs> Sherry, before we go here, I have a listener question, um, and I want to get your two cents on it, too, because uh, Mark from Calgary, Canada says, I was listening to your show last week, and you were mentioning that you already prepaid your gratuities for your upcoming Mediterranean cruise. It had me wondering, does it really matter when you prepay your gratuities? So before I give my points, what do you think on that, Sherry? Well, if you can afford to do it before you cruise, I think it's a great way just to get that last chunk of change out of the way and you don't have to worry about it you know it you know i think the effort is to make your trip as cash painless as possible and prepaying your gratuities before you leave i think is a great idea you have no surprises at the end and you can always in in my opinion um if someone has excellent service uh during the cruise you can always hand them 10 or 20 dollars as a thank you if you don't prepay, I think um, this, and this is what gets me time and time again. Different cruise lines add the daily gratuities different ways. And I've had some cruises, you probably have too, where um, they, you see them on a daily basis, another thirteen ninety five or twelve ninety five, mm-hmm. And then some just put it all the way at the very end of the cruise, which can be a, a kind of a painful surprise if you weren't thinking about it. So I vote on prepaying gratuities. So I wrote down three points here. One is the miles. I I always book my trips on my American Airlines City Card just because I always use the miles to go to the cruise ports, whether it be over to Venice or flying up to New York City or whatever. So I like seeing those miles on my account earlier than later, just a personal thing. Um, secondly, I have less onboard expenses. So when you get that invoice at the end of the cruise... You don't have to worry about it. And thirdly, this one's really for Mark because he's over in Canada. And it goes back to that pesky foreign transaction fee of like 2.3%. Um, now, granted, it's not a lot, but uh, it all adds up, right? Right. And you have to remember, too, the dollar isn't the same in Canada anymore. Right. So um, that might be a great idea for him to prepay it. We certainly welcome your questions, Doug at cruiseradio.net, D-O-U-G at cruiseradio.net. We've been talking with Sherry Kennedy from cruisemaven.com. Talk to you next week. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. This is Cruise Radio. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. 
Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. Keith and his family just returned from a seven-night sailing aboard Carnival Pride out of Baltimore. Keith joins us on the line. Hey, Keith. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This was a rather interesting cruise for you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Before we get there, as always, we'll take a step back. Give me some of your pre-cruise thoughts about Carnival Pride. Well, I was looking to do a cruise, and originally I was looking to do a three- or four-day cruise, as it was going to be the first time doing a cruise with my uh, four-year-old son and my wife. So, you know, I started looking into it. Um, I realized that logistically it would be easier to go out of Baltimore as it was only two hours from my house. So once I started kind of looking into, uh, you know, Baltimore, I kind of looked at the uh, um, itinerary for the Carnival Pride, and that's kind of what I settled on. What is the Baltimore parking situation like over there? Baltimore is the easiest cruise terminal to get in and out of. It's right off 95. So basically what it is, it's a big parking lot, literally right in, fr- right in front of the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. You pretty much pull right off 95, you pull in the parking lot, and the cruise ship's right there. Awesome. How was embarkation for you? Embarkation, usually I hear is very easy, pretty much from what I just told you. But what happened in our cruise was that there was a medical emergency on the prior cruise, so the ship came in three hours late. Mm-hmm. So this obviously created chaos at the port. So they usually do um, stagger check-in time. So we had a 12.30 um, check-in time. And that morning, we got an email and a voicemail to basically come to the port two hours later than originally our check-in time. So getting into the parking lot itself was easy. Um, That took maybe under 10 minutes. And it was interesting because the parking lot only holds enough passengers for the cruise. So the parking lot was three-quarters filled as we pulled in because people were basically still disembarking and get, you know, pulling out of the parking spots as we pulled in. So parking was a little bit tight. And then because the ship came in late, they basically got rid of the staggered um, embarkation. So everybody was trying to get on board at the same time. So from parking lot to getting on the ship took about almost two hours. Okay. A little longer than you would like, but... Yes. And especially with my four-year-old son. And of course... Right before we go through security, he's like, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, so luckily, you know, he's still toilet training. Luckily, he was able to hold it, and we went through, and everything was fine. But it was a little stressful getting on. Do you remember about a year ago when the captain came in a little too hot on the Pride, and he knocked that uh, jetway over? Yes. Actually, <laughs> I was going to mention that. Actually, we were excited to actually use the gangway again, because mm-hmm. apparently we were one of the first uh, cruises to use the gangway, because oh. previously you got on on deck A, okay. and it was nice to use the gangway now to get kind of back on the ship on the main, you know, the main deck. What were your thoughts once you boarded Carnival Pride? You know, once we got on board after kind of waiting two hours, we kind of were uh, amazed. It has a really nice uh, atrium area, and, you know, kind of once walking around the ship, it was, we realized it's a great, small, intimate ship, and with a very easy layout. You can kind of get from one end of the ship to the other in about 10 minutes. And the dining room's in the back of the ship, which makes it really easy to find. And we really like that there was there's three different promenades on different decks. Mm-hmm. So you can walk all, all the way around the ship on the outside and multi-levels. So kind of a really nice layout of the ship. Awesome. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? We actually had an extended balcony on deck seven mid-forward. We actually booked it about four months out. So we booked it in uh, December because... I mentioned before I was interested in doing a cruise, and then I realized that I had 400,000 credit card points, so I was actually able to apply my credit card points um, towards this cruise. And then what happened as the date got closer, the price dropped. 
So we actually wound up getting $350 on board credit. So I was just happy to pretty much get whatever stateroom, you know, I can. The stateroom itself, it had, you know, plenty of room, including room for my uh, son's stroller. So there was definitely a plenty of a closet space. And it was nice that the uh, the couch they had converted to a bed. So it was nice that my son can kind of sleep on the couch with uh, no problem. So overall, great cabin. Just curious, what did you think of that extended balcony? You know, actually, it gives about an extra couple of feet, which, you know, which I think was great. You can kind of, you know, there's two chairs. You can kind of relax, you know, stretch out your legs. So I definitely liked the extended balcony. I thought it gave you a little more extra uh, leg room and just extra space. Cool. Let's talk about dining then. Uh, let's see. We have the Lido deck. We have the main dining room, steakhouse, guys, burger joint, blue iguana cantina. I'll just let you have at it and talk to me about dining. We had anytime dining in the dining room, mm-hmm. which worked really well. So we could eat anytime we uh, wanted when we were, you know, working around my son's nap schedule. We also took advantage of the Sea Days brunch, which was very good. And overall, the dining room food was very good. I actually ordered a lot of the seafood, which was very good, including the lobster tail. But I actually found that we one night they had filet mignon and shortbreads. And I actually found the filet mignon to be a little bit fatty, which kind of was a little bit surprising. But overall, the, you know, the food was good. And they also said it had some really good entertainment in the dining room, including the Nature D, who actually sung uh, Frank Sinatra songs. So the dining room itself was great. The Lido Deck had a really good selection, and we mainly took uh, advantage of the uh, the guy's burgers, which, you know, basically if I had a choice of eating uh, food on the Lido Deck or doing guy's burgers, guy's burgers won uh, three out of four times. Nice. We also did the Dr. Seuss breakfast, oh, cool. which is really good as well. It was really good to see green eggs and ham and other whimsical variations of the various foods. So overall, I have to say the uh, there was plenty of food, and it was really good. The Anytime Dining, the past couple of sailings I've been on, the Anytime Dining was a disaster. Like the for on Carnival, even Carnival Vista, it was like super long lines. Sunshine was like that. Liberty was like that. How was like the wait for getting into the main, main dining room with Anytime Dining? Like you said, it was kind of hit or miss. Mm-hmm. The first couple nights, it was fine. But then what happened is a couple nights, I think three nights in a row, we went right at 545. And then sure enough, like you said, there was a line. And it took us anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes to get to the front and then to get a table. Gotcha. So like you said, once you got in the dining room, it was fine, but sometimes a little bit of a wait to actually get in the dining room. This ship has a unique promenade set up compared to the other Carnival ships. What did you think of it? It's really nice because the way it actually the, the Lidl deck kind of works out is they actually have three pools. So they have a pool in the back area, which is the Serenity for 21 and over. And then they also have kind of a midship pool, which actually they have a cover, so it, you know, they can cover it over, which kind of works really well coming out of Baltimore because usually the first day at sea is kind of a little bit colder. And then they have a, you know, a regular pool as well. So the layout of the ship, you know, from the Weedle deck is really good. And then the promenade is almost kind of like a dual deck. There's almost like two floors of the deck with your main central atrium. You got your casino, your bars and lounges, and the alchemy bar kind of in the back of the ship. But overall, you know, very nice layout. You mentioned the first day of the the cruise is a little bit cool, but also you had some uh, you had some pretty rough swells out there, huh? First day at sea, actually, you know, we went up kind of on the Lido deck up to uh, deck eleven, and it was kind of super windy up there, almost to the point where the wind was kind of pushing us back. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't kind of think much of it. We just thought, hey, it's a windy day. But then what happened is, as the day progressed, it started getting a little bit darker out, and then the boat really started rocking from about noon to about the next morning. And they actually put an announcement overhead that we were actually um, going through a storm. And we were talking to the cruise director later on. And apparently there was a storm that was off the coast of South, South Carolina where Charleston got some uh, heavy flooding and went out to sea. We went right through it. Apparently 
we went through 27 foot swells. So it was basically um, like you were a drunk person. You couldn't walk straight. (laughs) And it got to the point where they basically put signs in the doors and basically said, don't go outside. They put towels kind of over the doorways, kind of on deck three, because they were worried about water coming into the deck. And this was, of course, formal night. And there really wasn't a lot of people kind of walking around. It was very quiet. And you know, a lot of people were kind of in their staterooms trying not to get sick. They had the barf bags in all the public areas by the elevators. So it was definitely rocky for, you know, a good, you know, 15, 18 hours. I was worried about actually my son actually rolling out of bed. You know, when you're sitting in bed, it was really rocking as well. But luckily the next morning, you know, things calmed down. Interesting how the ship handled like that and with the the comfort bags or whatever, the throw-up bags were out in the hallway. Right. Did, were, were people like visibly getting seasick when you were on there? I actually didn't see anybody, but in talking with some people later, you know, apparently some people did. And then I was also talking to the um, cruise director at kind of a meet and greet, and her cabin is on the eighth floor, and she said she saw a wave crash over her balcony on the eighth floor. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty rough seas. That's the worst I ever experienced. But luckily, me, my wife, and my son were overall fine. So with the, the storm you went through here, the perfect storm, uh, it's right. like the, the playlist production show. They had to postpone that? Yeah, apparently that night they actually were supposed to have um, a show called 88 Keys. So they actually canceled that show due to the safety of the performers. And they said once you see the show later in the cruise, you'll actually understand why, because there's a guy kind of dancing on a piano. Mm-hmm. So what they did that night is they canceled the show, and they just showed Ghostbusters in the main theater. Okay. In the main showroom. I gotcha. So because of the uh, rescheduling of the shows, all the shows got basically rescheduled. So you, you kind of had to really check the fun times to kind of see when the uh, what show was going to be on what day. The whole schedule got flipped around. Gotcha. What did your son think about the kids' program? We weren't sure how we'd actually like the kids' program, but he actually went up um, loving it. And on our cruise and the cruise after hours, they were actually converting the uh, two to five and the six to eight-year-old uh, kids' club from Camp Carnival to Camp Ocean. So my kid basically got to um, have the Camp Carnival in the uh, the chapel, which you know was fun. They had a bunch of toys in there. He had a great time, and they actually had dinner with the uh, the camp counselors twice. So we actually got to have dinner by ourselves twice, which was great. So he loved it. We got some alone time by ourselves. So overall, it was great. The camp counselors were super friendly, super great with him. So it worked out really well. Did you get to catch any comedy shows? No, actually, we didn't because we actually went and saw all the uh, all the playlist productions and the timing just didn't work out for us. Gotcha. Well, how was the ship on the sea days as far as uh, I understand the, the first day was a little off one, but um, as far as crowds and congestion as you were going from port to port and on the way back? We kept saying that the ship was almost filled. It had about 2,300 passengers, but we didn't experience any crowds at all in any public spaces. I mean, the way that, you know, the ship lays out, they got three pools, so there's no fighting over pool chairs. And, you know, there's plenty of elevators. We never had to wait for an elevator, which I found amazing. And a lot of times we're in the elevator all by ourselves. So I don't know if everybody was just taking the stairs or what, but we had no issues with crowds at all. Cool. This itinerary, Carnival coins it as an exotic Caribbean itinerary. I I love that they throw the word exotic in there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's... uh, it makes it depends on what you consider exotic, but you know we really enjoyed the ports. I, I got to say, like Half Moon Key, you went to uh, Grand Turk, beautiful place, and Freeport. Out of those three, uh, which one was your favorite? We really liked uh, Grand Turk. Grand Turk kind of has the best of both. It's got you know a halfway decent beach. Um, you don't have to tender, which is great. 
and they had the, you know, the giant uh, pool at, you know, Margaritaville. Mm-hmm. And what was nice is there was, the pool wasn't crowded. The pool bar wasn't crowded. You actually could get chained by the pool. So it was great. And Half Moon K was great as well for a beach day. But what happened with Half Moon K is we actually, there was another storm Wednesday night into Thursday. So they actually weren't sure if they could, were going to be able to tender because the, um, the ocean was pretty rocky that morning and the captain was having trouble dropping the anchor. So he actually kind of rotated the ship to actually get closer to the island, and he was actually able to anchor. Originally, it was supposed to be 9 to 5 to tender, but it wound up being shortened to 11.30 to 5. Ah, well, at least you made it there. That, that's when a sh- the ship goes into a mutiny whenever you miss half moon. Everyone yeah, we were, we were pretty happy just to still be able to make it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you make your way back to Baltimore. How was your disembarkation there? Disembarkation was actually great compared to embarkation. We actually were able to hang out in the kids' club until we disembarked. And we, are, we had nowhere to go because we were just getting in our car and driving home. But we wound up getting zone two, which was actually really good. And we missed the original call for disembarkation for our zone. So by the time we actually got off the ship, we literally strolled off the ship behind some wheelchairs. And we were through customs, got our luggage, which, you know, we got right out. It was literally right in front of us, grabbed a luggage porter, and we were in a car in literally 10 minutes. Any first-time tips you have to offer people sailing Carnival Pride? I would basically say get to know the layout of the ship. And check your fun times and plan on what you want to do for the day ahead of time and just make sure to try Guy's Burgers as well. Is there a Red Frog pub on there? Yes, there actually is. And the Red Frog bar as well. Cool. Well, looking back over your seven-night cruise, what was the biggest highlight for you? The biggest highlight was the friendliness of the staff. Mm-hmm. The staff went out of your way to basically make you feel, um, you know, make sure you're having a good time, make sure, you know, you're happy. You know, the interaction with my son was priceless with the staff. You know, all high fives, you know, hey, how you're doing? They definitely made him feel special, you know, on the cruise. And that was, you know, great seeing that. Awesome. Well, in closing here, Keith, what are your final thoughts of Carnival Pride? You know, it's a great small ship with uh, plenty to offer. Like I said before, it has a great layout, has a great itinerary, and it's, you know, very easy port to get in and out of when you're, you know, don't have a late ship coming in. Love it. Keith, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Thanks a lot, Doug. Really appreciate it. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer, if you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer. I know, you thought the show was over, and it kind of is. But could you do me a favor? Could you go into iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn app, however you're listening to the show, and leave me a review. It doesn't matter if it's a one-star or five-star. prefer five-star. Uh, but it really helps the visibility of this show. So yeah, reviews are great. And thank you so much again for being here week after week. It means so much. All right, now the show's over.